Good morning and welcome back to Grateful Gwenna. Thank you for joining us. This free Bible podcast where you can hear biblical testimonies of how God has worked in my life and other people's lives. I say good morning because I'm recording this in the early morning on a Saturday morning. The Lord woke me up with my internal body clock, I guess. But how are you doing? How are you really doing this morning? I would encourage you, as a pastor said to us several years ago, to answer that question honestly when people ask you. Oftentimes we just say, oh, I'm fine. And we're not really fine. So I've ever since tried to answer that question honestly. This morning, um, I'm going to talk about a topic related to domestic violence that I'm titling, How Did We Get Here? And honestly, God's been, I think, prompting me to record this topic on my podcast for a while now, but I've been dreading it because it just brings up too many issues and people don't like it when you tell the truth. And my podcast is public and I suspect now some of my family members have heard it. And unfortunately, I'm sure it's quite hurtful to some of them. But God calls me to tell the truth. The enemy is trying to thwart my ministry. And I just trust God because scripture says greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. So I trust Jesus, my Lord and Savior. I want to make it clear before I start that I do not hate my family, which I think some of them think I do, unfortunately. There are some sad situations, um, and I've had to stand up to most, if not all, of my family members. And I don't think that anyone likes when something like that happens, so it's understandable because we are all human. I know sometimes I can be too nice, but sometimes I can be mean, and I've been working on that for years. So I hope you are safe and healthy today, not just physically, but mentally, emotionally, and spiritually as well, as we sort of dive into this topic. Again, the topic today is, how did we get here? And by that, I mean, you know, people say if they hear you're in an abusive situation, the response is often, well, just leave. Because let me just say first, um, there was a Facebook post the other day that I reposted about basically saying, please don't tell us just to leave if we're in an abusive situation saying that you would never be in one because we thought that once too. And I thought, boy, that's really good. It's poignant. It's to the point. And it is so incredibly true. You know, um, I remember I was extremely embarrassed being caught in that situation and not knowing how to get out of it for multiple reasons, which I've shared on other podcasts. But more importantly for right now, for today's podcast, how did we get here? How did we get to a place where we tolerate abuse? Um, <clears throat> and I think there can be several factors. And again, I'm not an expert, but I can share with you my story, my own personal story. 
And I think that my own upbringing and my situation growing up, probably more accurately, is what gave me a tolerance for, I mean, for lack of a better word, evil, okay? And um, please hear me out before you think I'm judging anyone, um, because I'm not judging anyone. Excuse me. We are all human. And, um, you know, we are all sinners. Romans 3.23 says that, um, you know, we all clearly fall short of the glory of God because we're all human. We're all sinners. Um, and it's only through Jesus Christ um, and his deliverance and our faith and believing in him that there is hope eternal for us. Because we are innately depraved depraved creatures. So, <coughs> excuse me. <laughs> Again, all I can do is share my own personal experience. By the way, I know I'm sneezing and my voice sounds rough, but it's allergies. I was just at a doctor the other day. Anyway, um, how did we get here? Or more accurately, in this case, how did I get here? And perhaps my reflecting on my own self can possibly shed some light on you or your loved one or your friends. How did they get here? I'm not necessarily saying everyone has the same experience or that these are the reasons or the causes for everyone. But in my case, I think this is a lot of it. And again, I've been dreading doing this podcast because it's not fun bringing up these memories. And I apologize, I might get a little emotional at parts during this podcast. And once again, I'm recording this podcast with no notes. So you're getting the real raw me again today. And I hope that's okay with you. And I hope it blesses you. Father God, I pray that you'll be with the person listening, that you'll give me the words to speak that you want me to speak. Um, Give me your wisdom and guide, lead, guide, and direct my words. And please let this be a blessing to at least one person. Help them be delivered and be safe. I ask it in your precious son, Jesus' name. I ask it in your name, Jesus. Amen. Okay, first of all, before I totally begin my podcast on how did we get here or how did I get here, um, I want you to please call the National Center for domestic violence if you or someone you know is not safe. And that is 1-800-799-SAFE. How did we get here? Well, again, I can only share my own personal story with you, and maybe some of you will be able to relate. Statistically speaking, um, it is shown and proven and has been revealed that most abusers and most victims of abuse grew up in some sort of abuse or they grew up in an abusive home or they were abused in some way or they saw someone being abused when they were growing up. And my case is no stranger to that statistic. Um, I'm going to be as brief as possible here, but I'll start with several years ago, one of my half-siblings asked me to join her 
in one of her counseling appointments. So I thought and prayed about it and I went ahead and I went to her counseling appointment with her. I had no idea what to expect. When I got there, the counselor asked me to tell my sister my side of my story and how it was like for me growing up. My immediate response was I looked at her and I said, well, she doesn't really need to know that. It's okay. It's not all about me. And the counselor said, no, I understand that, but she needs to hear your side of the story and what it was like for you growing up. And so I remember explaining my whole side of the story, which took probably close to an hour. And when I, my sister staring at me in disbelief almost the entire time, occasionally asking me clarifying questions or questions about what I had said. And at the end, I remember, (coughs) excuse me, my sister's counselor said to me, Gwenna, both sides of your family have always scapegoated you. She said, you are the redheaded stepchild. I do happen to have red hair. And I'm literally the only one in both sides of my family that has red hair. But anyway, and, uh, you know, I remember my sister telling me that she was so shocked, basically, and that she had no idea and explaining to me a couple of the things about the way she and my brother had felt that I had no idea about. And, you know, that was actually enlightening to me also. I had no idea that they were actually jealous of me. And I'm like, how in the world were you jealous of me? Did you not understand where I was coming from and what was happening to me? And she's like, no, no, we didn't. And I get it now. Like, you know, um, because when I was five, my mother and father divorced When I was, I lived with my mother until I was 15. When I was 15, I moved into my father, which is, I believe, a story on another episode, another podcast. Um, It was quite an adjustment because I was a teenager who was hurting by how I had been treated um, by my mother's side of the family. And I know my stepmother said I had a mouth on me. Well, of course I did. Number one, I was 15. And number two... I was displaced, and number three, I hadn't been treated well. Um, I do remember, um, so I have two, well, yeah, I have two sisters on my mom's side of the family, and at the time, I had one sister and one brother on my dad's side of the family, before I confuse you. Um, Last summer, I found out that I have another sister on my dad's side of the family that had been adopted that we never knew about. So technically, I have, and then one of my sisters on my mom's side of the family She passed away about eight or nine years ago at the young age of 37 of a sudden heart attack and an unexplainable one. So including all of my siblings, I have one brother and one, two, three, four sisters, I think, including the sister who passed away on my mom's side and the sister who had been adopted that we just found out about last summer on my dad's side. So, um, That's so you don't get so confused when I say this sister and that sister and the other. Um, Now, where was I? (laughs) Uh, Let's see. Mm, Oh, Um, I remember my dad when I moved in with him when I was 15 and he picked me up asking my mom's daughter, my sister, 
if she wanted to go too, because we were very close. And my sister, of course, being eight years old at the time said, no, I want to stay with my mommy. So we got separated and we were very close at the time. And that's another story, like I said, that I shared on another podcast. But so my parents, my mother and father divorced when I was five. I, I skipped apart when I was, <coughs> I think seven, <coughs> both of my parents remarried other people. And then when I was 15, after having lived with my mom all those years, I moved in with my dad quite suddenly and unexpectedly, even though my dad had been begging me to live with him for all those years. And um, when my dad married my stepmom, he's told me repeatedly, and I think it's something he regrets, but he's told me, I mean, marrying her, he's told me repeatedly that when he married my stepmother, that he asked her before they got married and made sure that she promised to tell him that she would treat me as if I were her own child. And she did. According to my father, she promised she would treat me as if I were her own child. And my dad says, I don't remember it, but he says that my stepmother and I were really close for the first few years. Well, then my stepmother had her own children, and even my father admits that she completely changed. And she no longer treated me as if I were her own child. So that's when I feel like I began being ostracized by my stepmother and that whole side of the family. And I know there were several occasions where my dad tried to stand up for me to her. And occasionally he did succeed. Actually, I think most of the time. But she was obviously very biased because I was not her biological child. And, you know, I'm a mother now, so I don't fault her for that totally because I don't know what it's like trying to raise a child that's not my own. And I'm a mother and I know what that bond is between you and your own children. So I kind of get it where she's coming from in that, but it just wasn't the healthy experience, healthiest experience for me. Um, you know, and later I found out that one of my siblings had been doing things that I had been accused of doing, but never did. I mean, in high school, my nickname was Miss Goody Two-Shoes because I literally never did anything wrong. Um, and that was at the high school I went to after I moved in with my dad and my stepmom. So, um, so there's a little bit of background for you. And then on my mom's side, when she remarried, she remarried to my sister's father, um, and he was very physically abusive of me. Um, if my sister would do something wrong, I would literally get spanked for it by him because he told me that since I was the oldest, it was my fault because I was supposed to set the example. And... If my sister, his daughter, were misbehaving, it was my fault because I must have set a bad example. So she would never get in trouble, but I would get spanked for the things she did wrong. And I'm not talking about just like a normal spanking. I'm talking about he, I was 13 years old, you know, a young teenage woman with, uh, you know, getting her period and everything. And he would make me pull my pants down naked and literally beat my bare bottom until I literally had welts on my bottom. 
And my sister would deliberately do things wrong knowing that I would be punished for it. And then she would laugh about it when I got spanked by him because she got away with it and I got blamed. <laughs> so she's a little ornery, as you can tell. Um, ironically, that sister and I eventually became super close. As adults, we became super close. And she was a sister I was always the closest to. Um, even though we didn't talk super often, whenever we did, it was as if we had never stopped talking. And we were just super close. So, um, yeah. So that was my experience with that. So, um... I remember the last time that my stepfather did that to me where he left welts on my bottom. Um, I was so angry and we were living with my mom's mom at the time. And I finally, um, I just got so mad that I finally went downstairs right after the beating and right in front of my grandmother, who was a, devout, strict as nails, Roman Catholic, and put me down a lot. <laughs> I dropped my pants in front of her and said, now do you believe me? I'll always remember that. And um, there was a lot more going on, but I remember, um, I can't remember if it was that, I think it was that day, she called the cops on him. And uh yeah. Finally, someone believed me, and my mom was in shock. I don't think she had believed me before that. My mom used to call me a liar a lot, even though I was, I am honest to a fault. <laughs> so anyway, um, so yeah, that was kind of what happened on my mom's side of the family. Um, on my dad's side of the family, I just remember mostly just little things like, you know, after I moved in with my dad and my stepmom when I was 15, um, you know, the families are very different. My mom was a single mom. She was very poor. Um, she didn't have a lot of money. And when she did have money, she wouldn't really spend it wisely. I, I remember saying to her one time when I was maybe eight, nine years old, mommy, why are you, you know, why did you spend your paycheck on jewelry at Kmart when we need food and you need to pay the bills. And she's like, well, I deserve a treat once in a while, which I mean, she's not wrong, but I'm very conscientious about, I have to pay the bills first before I can have any pleasure. In fact, I'm probably that to an extreme now almost. But, um, but when I moved in with my dad's side of the family, you know, it was very different. Um, they were a little higher economic class than I was used to living in. You know, with my mom, I was used to, um, I could literally, at the time, and my mom and I have since discussed it, I could literally wipe the tip of my first finger on the toilet seat and it would come up black. I'm not exaggerating. And so I used to be the one doing most of the cleaning and a lot of the cooking, all the dishes for sure, you know, and so... My mom was a single mom, so she worked outside the home a lot. And so I was expected to babysit a lot. I was expected to do a lot of the cleaning and a lot, you know, quote unquote cooking, you know, which I didn't really know how to cook. So that was kind of a disaster. 
But, and then, I mean, nobody had taught me how to cook. Well, then I moved in with my dad and my stepmom. It was a completely different environment. She already had her own two children. So I was like the outsider coming in. And, um, you know, it, they had a different socioeconomic status. So I was suddenly thrust into that. And I remember my first day at high school being introduced to the daughter of some friends of my dad and my stepmom. And she was a cheerleader, nicest girl, one of the nicest girls I've ever met in my life. But I felt extremely awkward because I was used to being, you know, um, in that high school social class where you're just the poorest of the poor and kind of the scummy people. And here I was thrust into a situation with one of the most popular girls in the school. And I just did not know how to act, you know, um, she was super nice and like, the jocks were paying attention to me and I just, it was just a foreign world to me. They were super nice. And so what happened as a result of that is I was basically friends with everyone at that high school. Like I got along with everyone, which was really nice. I remember, um, one of the first days I was at the school, somebody came up to me and offered me drugs. And I looked at the kid and I said, if you walk away right now, I won't report you to the police. And I never had another problem about on, on about that. Um, but, you know, it just was such a different environment moving from my mom's to my dad's. And I feel like I went from an environment at my mom's where it was a lot of cussing and screaming and, you know, my stepdad abusing me physically and emotionally. I mean, they all were abusing me emotionally now that I look back in retrospect. And then I went into my dad's where, you know, they were trying to give me a good environment. And I honestly think my mom was doing the best she could. And my mom and I had since had conversations, you know, where she repeatedly apologized to me. I could tell my mom felt so guilty. And now that I'm older, I'm 52 myself now, I totally get where she's coming from. We all make mistakes in life and we can't go back and fix them. So I finally said to my mom, hey, I forgive you. You know, and my mom, oh my gosh, I love my mom. But, you know, she has some issues. And I used to keep that stuff quiet. But, like, then I realized that's not what honoring your parents means. But several years ago, um, she actually stole my identity. And that's another story. And then blamed me for it. But... You know, I, I've forgiven my mother for everything. I just don't trust her totally. And I never will again. But, you know, my dad's side was just a lot of emotional abuse when I moved in. And like I said, I wasn't used to that environment. So at home, I would try to do things. I knew I could never make up for the horrible things my mom had said to my stepmom. And, you know, being older now, I understand my mom was really hurt by my dad leaving her. I mean, I get it. And they were both, there was a lot going on there between my mother and my father. And, you know, I grew up hating Christmas because it was just about my parents fighting over me and who was going to get me and for how long. And I swore I would never do that to my own children. In fact, I swore I'd never get divorced because I didn't want my own children, children to have to go through the emotional suffering and trauma that I did as a child. But, I mean, God had another plan for me. But anyway, 
So when I moved in with my dad and my stepmom, I would do things like I would try to do the dishes for her. But then she would just complain that I didn't do them her way. You know, but so I'm like, okay, I would try to fold the laundry for her, but she would complain that I didn't do it her way. So I'd try to learn how she did it. But no matter what I did to try to help her, she would just complain. So I finally looked at her one day and said, fine, I'm not ever helping you again because all you do is complain about how I do things. And I never once helped her again. A few years later, as an adult, when we would go back for holidays, I would offer to help and she wouldn't let me help. She would only let her children help. You know, I was always treated like a guest and not part of the family with her. And so that really hurt me. And then several years ago, in 2010, I think it was, my stepmom actually divorced my father. And um, she disappeared and never said goodbye to me or my children. Um, just disappeared and we had no idea where she went. But she stayed close with her own children, of course. Um, another thing that had happened was um, when I had started having children, my dad and stepmom told me that we lived too far away and they couldn't come see me very often. Now, to my dad and my one sister's credit, they used to come um, almost every year around my son's birthdays and or around the holidays and or they would invite us for the holidays. So at least they tried, you know. Um, and I think once maybe my sister helped us out financially or help me out financially, which she didn't have to do that, you know. Um, but if I would ask them to come more often than just for birthdays or holidays, my dad and my stepmom would always tell me that we lived too far away. We lived an hour away. But when my sister started having her children, um, she started having her babies, she lived three hours away from them. And I later discovered, eventually discovered, that they were going to see her and her kids almost every weekend. So again, like I said, my dad has expressed remorse about that. And he's been in almost on the verge of tears about it. My dad doesn't cry. So I know he's being sincere about that. And I told him that I forgive him, you know. And so that was nice to be able to share that with my father. And it was nice that to see that he, he felt badly about that. But, um... I just have always been ostracized by both sides of my family. Um, another thing that happened is my sister on my mom's side, I, I mentioned briefly about eight or nine years ago, died suddenly of a heart attack. And she and my mom and my other sister were living in Texas at the time. And so um, one of my sons accompanied me on a flight down to Texas to go to the viewing and the funeral. And while I was there, my other sister told me that when we were little, that I called her a bad name, and she's been holding a grudge ever since. <laughs> I'm like, so I apologized, asked her forgiveness. It was a long time ago. And she told me this at my sister's funeral, <laughs> you know, and I'm like grieving the loss of my sister that I was close to. And this other sister tells me this now. This sister and I, she doesn't like me saying this, but it's the truth. We are 15 years apart. So I don't really know her that well because I was out of the house and living with my father the year she was born. I think about three months after she was born. So I don't know her at all. And she doesn't know me at all. So it was a 
quite a shock for me to find out and discover that she'd been holding a grudge for, against me for so many years. And I never knew. I don't even remember that. So I went ahead and, you know, tried to do the right thing. I apologized to her, asked her forgiveness. Um, but over the years, these are some of the things that happen. And so what I've realized is I was used to being abused. I was used to being isolated. I was used to being ostracized. I was used to being treated like crap, basically. I was used to being mentally abused. I was used to being emotionally abused. My mother's mother. One time my mother rescued me from my ex-husband when she found out about the abuse. And she was packing my bag and telling me we're going to leave. While my mother was packing my bag, my ex-husband went to my mother's mother's house and basically convinced her that everything was all my fault and that I was lying and that he never abused me. Never mind the fact that I had all kinds of proof. Um, but anyway, by the time my mom and I went back to my mother's mother's house with my belongings, my ex-husband was there and had completely convinced her mother, my grandmother, that I was the problem and he hadn't done anything wrong at all, which was a total lie. And my grandmother looked at my ex-husband in front of me and said, well, that's just Gwenna. That's the way she is. That is emotional abuse right there. And so, you know, I didn't realize all these things back then. And when she said that, I was still involucrated in the abuse. And I thought, oh my gosh, am I really a horrible person? And I was so brainwashed and so trained to blame myself for everybody's stuff that I actually believed her. So I realize it's 30 minutes. I'm going to pause the video and I guess do a part two.